Thanks, John. That song just hits it on the head for me today. Uh, We feel the heaviness, don't we? Uh, We're coming into a place where we haven't ever been before. We are wearing masks on our face. Maybe some of you had the radio on while you came in today. And it feels like, although it's this beautiful summer, the world is just chaotic and it's heavy. I found this list that CNN put together. All the things that have happened in 2020. Are you ready for this? In the beginning, I'd forgotten about this actually. We had tensions rise with Iran after one of our drones killed one of their generals. Now, there was this mysterious virus, maybe you've heard of it. It had started in Asia, and in the U.S., we had seven cases. By the end of January, we had less than 10,000 cases on the planet. February, Kobe Bryant, his daughter, and seven others died in a helicopter crash. President Trump was in an impeachment trial, and he was acquitted in February. By March, we watched cruise ships that were floating adrift, filled with passengers, stuck on board because of the virus. The World Health Organization declared a global pandemic, and we saw the ripple effect. U.S. stocks recorded their worst day since 1987. Churches, schools, restaurants, businesses all but closed. We started calling it a Chinese virus and saw Asian American hate crimes rise. New York City all but shut down, literally the deceased piling up. In the midst of this, those of us at home maybe got addicted to Tiger King, bought Disney Plus. We learned how to work from home, keep that house clean, try to do online school with our kids, and buy groceries online, hoping that maybe the store had toilet paper that day. We couldn't visit our elderly friends and families. Sometimes they died and we weren't able to say goodbye. Funerals were not held. Our medical staff, our teachers, our essential workers discovered a new meaning to the word, tired. We canceled the Olympics, marathons, weddings, graduations. Some of them probably were going to be in this room, right, Brooke? We learned that the Navajo Nation had little to no resources to handle the virus. Italy, England, and Spain couldn't keep up. In the United States, we armed ourselves. We protested the shutdowns at state capitals, and by the end of April, we had one million cases in our own country. In the beginning of May, Kenya saw a locust crisis destroy crops in an already uh, area, an already facing food shortages. Ahmad Arbery's murder made the news, and we ran 2.23 miles, remembering his birthday. Just a few weeks later, we watched footage of George Floyd's murder. We and our neighbors protested, rallied, marched, rioted, looted, and tried to figure out how to respond as it happened literally right up the road. Not just in Minnesota, but in the United States, and not just in the United States, but literally across the world, people tried to figure out how do we respond to this crisis. Statues have been toppled, Confederate flags taken down, and even the NFL is seeking to rename the Washington Redskins. We all learned what Juneteenth was, and then Rayshard Brooks was killed in Atlanta 
conversations about defunding the police began. Trump signed an executive order tracking officers on a federal level who used executive force. June 15th, I haven't even gotten to July, y'all. June 15th, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that federal civil rights law protects transgendered gay and lesbian workers. We kept our eye on Brazil because one of our members are from there. Their president contracted the virus and their numbers continue to skyrocket. Now, orders about masks, contact tracings, just general information about the virus changes so quickly we can barely keep up, can we? We're losing friends on social media and sometimes wonder what is safe to talk about at the dinner table. And y'all, I haven't even started talking about the election season. Climate change issues, the mental health crises that we're facing, the people in a homeless crisis that are trying to figure out where to go when none of the public spots where they used to be able to use as resources are available to them. We're not talking about how many people have actually died from the virus, how our children are going to respond growing up in a culture like this. And there are many other things that I'm sure you are facing today. And we feel the ache. We might not agree about any of the things I just commented on, but I think we can agree that it hurts, that we are aching. Believe it or not, this starts our good news series for the next three weeks. <laughs> but it starts here with the ache. For the next three weeks, we'll be looking at the big story. It's an illustration that James Chung, one of Brian and my colleagues in university, created. It's something that our preaching team has adopted in many churches in talking about how do we look at the world and what does Jesus have to say about it. The Bible has plenty to say about brokenness. Rodney led me in perfectly. He gives the backstory of what happens before we get to Genesis 3, which says, the serpent was the shrewdest of all of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day, the serpent asks the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees of the garden? Of course we can eat fruit from the trees of the garden, the woman replied. It's only the tree, the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it, otherwise we will die. The serpent actually gets it wrong. Eve corrects the serpent. Oh no, we can eat the fruit. God's, God's letting us do that. But then she gets it wrong too. She adds on to what God had said. See, previously in Genesis 2, God said, you can freely eat from any of the fruit in the garden. But this one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, if you eat that fruit, then you will die. Well, Eve adds to it and says, we can't even touch that tree. Neither of them get it right. Then the serpent openly disagrees with what God says. You're not going to die, the serpent replies to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Now, commentaries describe this scene as the serpent is trying to point out how God is stingy or jealous, or he doesn't want anyone to have the kind of power that he has. But again, as Rodney, thank God for Rodney, anyone? Rodney said, we were actually created in God's image, which other versions of scripture say 
It's that we are made in his likeness. The Living Bible says he patterned people after himself. The message says that humans, we reflect God's nature. That was his purpose. He made us to be like him, to reflect his characteristics. God's not stingy. He's not trying to withhold good things from people. His original intent was that we would be like him. And did you know that even God has boundaries? If we read the creation story for six days, he's busy, isn't he? (laughs) All that like clapping, I love that. Six days, he's busy building and constructing and creating and forming and watching things grow and probably the wind blowing in his face while he does it. And then day seven comes and God ceases. He stops. God rests. And because we're created in his image, we can imagine that when he created Adam and Eve, he also invited them to rest and have a pattern of that. Well, as we see in the garden, there was also a boundary, a tree that was not allowed for humanity. I imagine just as the Sabbath, Mark 2 tells us, Jesus tells us, the Sabbath is created for us. The Sabbath was created for humanity and keeping it is good for us. To stay away from that tree also means good things. It meant life. If I ate it, I died. That's not a good thing. The tree was marked off for our good. Rest is marked aside for our good. Well, the woman, it says in verse 6, when the woman saw that the tree was good for eating and realized what she would get out of it, she would know everything, she took and ate the fruit and then gave some to Adam, who was there, and he ate. Immediately, the, the two of them did see what was really going on, and they saw that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together as makeshift clothes for themselves. So even Adam got what they wanted. They saw everything in a new light. They had new eyes of wisdom. And they saw what was already true, which was they were naked. Sorry about the children in the room. Pastor's talking about getting naked. Well, they already were naked. But now it made them ashamed, and they tried to cover themselves. I imagine when they ate that fruit and they realized that they were naked, that there was an ache that happened. They realized they had done something wrong. And what did they do? They went and they found some leaves and they tried to sew together clothes. They tried to cover it up. Well, you can keep reading in the story. We're stopping there at verse 7. Suffice to say, their world, the garden, their relationship with God, broke that day because of their choice. And they felt the effects. They distrusted God. They didn't believe what he said. Are we like that? Anyone in the room? I get like that. What happens when we distrust God? When we look at the boundaries that he set for us and doubt that they're for our good and instead try to push them and see what we're missing out on on the other side. What happens to the world when it forgets its creator? Well, sometimes when we do those things, we just try to ignore it. I know people like this. 
I can't just read the news anymore. I just try to focus on happy things. And for some seasons, that's okay. But if you're always doing that, I think that there's a sense of pushing it away in an unhealthy way. Some of us are so inundated with it that we try to mask the pain. And in Celebrate Recovery, we'll talk about hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And we have certain patterns of things. We indulge in things. We, we get addicted to things. We have different coping mechanisms to try to handle it instead of addressing the real situation, which is what I think God calls us to do. He calls it out. Because things are broken, and we feel the ache. Every once in a while, I wake up in the morning and my arm aches. Sometimes it even wakes me up, it's so achy. And it reminds me that it feels like a few months ago, but it was a long time ago on Thanksgiving Day, I broke my arm. I fell on the ice. And even still today, I mean, think about when Thanksgiving was. That was a long time ago. Jeff Chambers, I might need to start talking to you about some more PT, but it aches, and it reminds me that I broke my arm. Aches point to things. Aches remind me if I've done too much, if I've lifted too much, if I've overworked it. Our world needs healing. It's broken. America is broken. Our families are broken. I am broken, not just my arm. And I need healing. And the ache doesn't feel good. Ask Brian. But I have to pay attention to it. Because if I don't, I could injure my arm worse. I could make it worse. The man, there are a lot of doctors in the crowd. I'm looking at a few other people. I could talk to all y'all about my arm right now. If I don't pay attention, I can make it worse, and it's never going to heal. It's good for us to pay attention to the ache. Even today, as we come here, and I'm so excited to see so many of you who joined us here in person, and for those of you who are online, this is a good day, and yet I'm going to tell you to pay attention to the ache today. Adam and Eve tried to cover up their shame. They tried to cover it up. And it didn't fix the broken. Avoiding it doesn't fix it. And in this big story, the good news that we're going to talk about, we're going to see later how God takes us and our ache and our brokenness and actually sends us in the world to help with the healing process. But that is not going to happen if we don't acknowledge the broken. And honestly, the bad news. So today, I'm inviting you to acknowledge or expose or agree with what is going wrong. Because I believe that if we want to follow Jesus, it means acknowledging the hard things. It means calling out what's broken. God does it. God sees it. God knows it. And if I'm created in his image, then I need to be like him. The Bible has many places where it talks about God longing to see his people return to him. Romans talks about that creation groans wishing for it to be better. The prophets tell us that even the land mourns because of humans' sin. And it's one of the things I love about Jesus. Jesus does not turn a blind eye to the brokenness. When he was a human, he went right into it. On that cross, he really felt the pain. He entered into it. He did not ignore it. He calls it out. And the reason we ache is that we were not created 
to live like this. We are created like in the garden, to be in right relationship with one another, to be in right relationship literally with the planet, and to be in right relationship with God. And until it's right again, we will ache. We ache for the world to be right, for children to live without fear, for women to have dignity and respect, for men to be free, for everyone to have enough to eat, and gosh, for this virus to not take any more lives, for the fighting in D.C. or Portland to cease, for there not to be any more death, for that day when all things will be made right. And just as thirst indicates, thank God there is water and a way to quench it, and as I am hungry, I know that there is food that will help me and fill me, this ache that I have for things to be made right, for me to be right with my fellow human, and for the planet to be made right, that ache points to the fact that the good news is today that it exists. It will one day be true. But what do we do in the meantime? I don't know when Jesus is coming back. He could come back right now, which would be fine with everybody, right? Come back and make it right. But in the meantime... I'm inviting you to acknowledge it. To be created in God's image and acknowledge the pain. The compassion, the empathy that happens as we acknowledge what is wrong in the world. And consider asking God, what has been my part in this brokenness? My family's part, my people's part, my country's part, my part, our part. We can ask God's mercy on behalf of ourselves individually, but also corporately. And as I've been learning in this season of injustice and frustration and chaos, is that lament is one of the parts of the healing process. It's one of the parts of the good news. And so today, today I'm going to invite you to do something maybe you haven't done before, but it's praying through one of the prayers of lament. I've adjusted some of the wording. Sometimes the things that they lamented a long time ago just don't connect with us, and so I've changed some of the wording. But I believe that the heart of the matter is still the same. These are words from Psalm 10. We'll have slides up, and if you're online, they'll be running along with the worship. There'll be a section that I'll read, and then a section that I invite you to read corporately. I'll pause for a minute, and then we'll go to the next section. So please join me as we pray Psalm 10. O Lord, why do you stand so far away? Why do you hide when I am in trouble? And then you can go to the next slide as a congregation will read. It's okay. We're good? Okay, so we'll read this together. The wicked brag about their evil desires. They praise the greedy and curse the Lord. The wicked. Oh. The wicked are too proud to seek God. They seem to think that God is dead.
their mouths are full of cursing, lies, and threats. Trouble and evil are on the tips of their tongues. They lurk in ambush in the villages, waiting to murder innocent people. They are always searching for helpless victims. And together, why do the wicked get away with despising God? They think God will never call us to account. But God, you see the trouble and grief they cause. You take note of it and punish them. The helpless put their trust in you. You defend the orphans. And together, Lord, you know the hopes of the helpless. Surely you will hear their cries and comfort them. You will bring justice to the orphans and the oppressed. So mere people can no longer terrify them. Jesus, I am so grateful that you see that you are the good judge, that you are the just judge. God, that one day all things will be made right. And in the meantime, Jesus, we do ask that you would give us wisdom, even today as we search our hearts, even today as we get honest with you. Lord, honesty and humility in these times, we need that, Jesus, and we need your mercy. We need your mercy for our part that we play. Our country needs your mercy for the part that we play. Our families need mercy for the part that we play. Jesus, even in the midst of technology, masks, COVID, all of the things that make us ache today, Jesus, thank you that you are faithful, that you are just, that you, you are steady and can be a comfort for us today. Amen.